Welcome everyone to our short podcast series. Uh, my name is Dr. Chalura. I'm the director of risk management for the Professional Protector Plan. And today we have the pleasure of talking about one of my favorite subjects, uh, prosthodontics. And with us we have Dr. Gary DeWood. Uh, Gary is a native of Toledo, Ohio. He earned his DDS from Case Western University in 1980. A meeting following dental school, he completed his GPR at Miami Valley Hospital in Dayton, Ohio. And in 1995, he completed the University of Florida Facial Pain Center mini residency. In 2004, he earned his MS in biomedical sciences degree at the University of Toledo College of Medicine. Following graduation, Gary and his wife Cheryl founded a practice in Pemberville, Ohio, where they practiced together until 2001. Then Cheryl returned to school where she earned an orthodontic certificate and a PhD. In 2003, Gary accepted a position as clinical director at the Penke Institute. And in 2008, he joined Frank Spears Seattle Institute as the president. With the merger of Seattle Institute and Scottsdale Center, he became the executive vice president of Sphere Education in Scottsdale, Arizona, the position he still holds today. He teaches in Sphere workshops and seminars, in Sphere practice solution workshops and seminars, and maintains a private practice at the Sphere campus. Gary, of course, is a member of several organizations, including the ADA, the Arizona Dental Association, the Central Arizona Dental Society, the American Equilibration Society, the American Academy of Oral Facial Pain, the American Academy of Craniofacial Pain, the American Academy of Fixed Prosthodontics, and the American Academy of Aesthetic Dentistry. And Gary went to, has been part of two schools that I really highly recommend, Panky and Spear, which I attended, and where Gary was one of my instructors at Spear. I think it was Warren Dentition, Gary. So Gary, welcome and thank you for cool. joining us. It's a pleasure, thank you for having me, bud. No problem at all. So <laughs> we're gonna just jump right in here. We want Gary's expertise on a couple of things. Um, so Gary, uh, since I mentioned um, the Warren Dentition course, which is a full rehabilitation of the patient, how would you start right. by establishing uh, the patient's past dental history. Well, I think the most important thing you do with anyone is you observe and listen. Um, so past dental history stuff for me would be asking people to tell me a little bit about their past experiences with dentistry. And in, in a patient, uh, since, we, since we brought up Warren Dentition, um, often, more than dentition patients, I'm not the first person they've talked to about what's happening to their teeth. That's, that's very common, that they have been told about this for a while and there's things going on. And so for me to understand how they've come to, say, to have an understanding of what they came with is powerful. So I think the most important thing you always do is find a way to listen and hear what your patient's understanding of what's going on is. By far, that's the most important thing I would ever do with anybody, especially in somebody who has extensive wear. Because may not be a problem for them. 
of course, listening is an art form. And I tell you, from a risk management point of view, it's probably one of the most important concepts that establishes a positive rapport with that patient so that you can have a pleasant relationship, a long-term relationship. So really, um, my suggestion is take your time when you're listening to the patient. It shows the patient some respect for what they're telling you, and it can really set the groundwork for a great uh, relationship with that patient. You know, it's it's a partnership. I mean, and if I view it that way, and and I'll use... This is in no way to disparage any of our medical colleagues because the model is a little bit different, but dentistry sort of got modeled after. Um, usually when somebody goes to their physician for to try and understand something better, they've already come looking for answers to a problem in family. And I just learned that in dentistry, that is not always the case. In fact, it's not often the case. Very often, I'm the one bringing up these issues for people and kind of acquainting them with them for the first time from that point of view as being an issue. And if my only role, and let me put it this way, I honestly believe that in school what I was taught was, how I experienced it, was to give people a list of what was wrong with them and then give them a list of how I was going to fix it. And unfortunately, I, I sometimes would get caught in there by offering them things that they really weren't sure that they needed to have. And therefore, we were not partners in what was happening moving forward. And so when things came up, if, if I'm only doing it because someone told me to do it, let's just say that I will, I will think differently about what was done in that regard. And I, I, I may felt that I wasn't heard or that I wasn't consulted. Or I was told this was important when, in fact, I never really was there. And it's why listening is the most important thing you can learn to do. And so thank you for saying it that way because it's by far the thing. And it's a skill. You can practice it. And it's not the model that I was presented with in dental school. That was never the model. The model was to give people answers. Unfortunately for me, early in my career, I was often answering questions they didn't have. Yeah, I mean, statistically, uh, dentists who take the time to have a a rapport with their patient have much less of a dental claim history. It's just because that patient (laughs) looks as you as uh, someone that they can trust. And you can only establish that by having the listening down to an art form and being respectful to that patient. I think it, it's the first fundamental, um, not only for a healthy relationship with the patient, but definitely to reduce your, your risk. Would you agree, Gary? And, and you know, oh, absolutely. But and, you know, you've, you've been doing this a long time too. And let's just talk about enjoyment and fun. Um, it's way more enjoyable to be doing comprehensive dentistry with someone than to some. Absolutely. And, yeah, absolutely. I, I know probably all of everybody who is in on this, and you laugh because you have been there. I've been in the situation where I realized partway through a process that I was doing something to someone. That they, they, were, they were doing it because I had said it was important. And I had really, and I believe it was important. But the thing was, they didn't yet really own it and weren't a part of that. Mm-hmm. And that that is where the differences come in. Um, I think you can still do everything right, and still have things happen. So I, I I certainly wouldn't want to say that just because you go to all this doesn't mean that everything worked perfectly. We all know that that's not how it how it happens. 
and, and in fairness, I guess that that's the reason why you have protection. That's why you why you're involved and have a policy that would allow if something does happen, it happens. Once in a while, things happen. However, having said that, as you said, I, I can attest to this. Um, you know, I've, I've had some people get upset with me. I mean, I've had records requested a total of seven times in my career. Um, it has never ended in litigation. And and the reason for that is that I'm also very careful to make sure that I keep, you know, voluminous records. I mean, I'm going to write down everything we talked about. I'm going to write down the fact that, and I will say, I didn't have patients necessarily sign releases for things. Because when I got out of school, that was not to the same degree. Like, informed consent meant more that we discussed things and decided together to do something. And that was always noted. And I know that today, and I don't think it's, I think it's a good thing is to be able to just to say, well, here's my understanding of what we're going to do. And people sign something. I, I don't see that as a negative. And if you go to the, if you've ever been in the hospital, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you hit the second topic there, which is documentation. Um, everything that yep. patient says after you've tried to communicate and educate the procedure uh, that you're going to be doing for the patient, especially if it's a full mouth rehabilitation, you better be Amen. privy to how that patient feels and what they're, um, if they're re if they have realistic expectations, and that's where a lot of dentists end up with a claim, because they can't meet the patient expectations because they didn't take the time to educate the patient, to listen to the patient, and communicate properly. So those are the yeah. important aspects for uh, any case, but especially uh, bigger full cases. Correct, Gary? Always, always. And you know, you know the interesting thing in what you just said for me, buddy, that was so good, is that the whole education thing, I mean, I came to a point in my career where I was kind of, I kind of felt like education was overrated. Let me just tell you what I mean by that. If I follow the format that I experienced at being taught, it was I would explain to people what was wrong with them, show them what was wrong, and I would say, here's how I'm going to fix that. And then if they didn't say yes, that was when I was supposed to educate them to understand why it was important. And when I changed my own belief about that, and I realized that if we talk about case acceptance, it was always measured on getting the dentistry done. And, and I decided many years ago that I, that wasn't how I was going to think. To me, case acceptance is as soon as the patient asked me for an answer. And, and so what it became was, how can I help this patient ask if they would like something different. And it doesn't mean that they ask. It means they're involved. They, they talk. They, they do ask some questions. But very often it is, wow, I wasn't aware of that. Is that a problem? So that we can talk about exactly what I see. And in my teaching today, one of the things that I try to help, especially young dentists, because I think they came from the same sort of an educational background as me, is that if you can stay in the question until questions come from the patient, all of a sudden you're in a partnership together. Because nobody asks for something if they're not interested in it and, that, and don't feel that it somehow applies to them. And I, I, I treated a few patients early in my career who really, as I said, I mean, I think they did it because they liked me and they trusted me. And, in fact, they still weren't all there. And they, it wasn't that they, they thought it wasn't really a big problem, I believe. You know, and, it, and that caused, it caused some angst when everything didn't go perfectly. That, and I, I had to sort of experience that to be able 
to back off a little bit because, you know, I don't want to say pushy is a bad word for this reason. I, when I hear it, the first thing I say, somebody says, well, you know, that dentist was really pushy. And I'll ask somebody, usually a patient, to tell me more about that. And they'll say, well, they just insisted that I do this. And I'll say, well, why did you first seek time with them? And if we follow the process, almost always, it's a it's a matter of the patient not feeling like they got taken along for the ride, as, as you said. Documenting that gave us the opportunity to go back and talk about things later, which meant that as I learned this, one of the things I would do is, is I would make notes about what I was what we were talking about, and sometimes I would go back and I would say to the patient, you know, when, when we first met, this is what what I experienced. For instance, one of the questions I've asked every patient I've ever spent time with. Are you planning on keeping your teeth for the rest of your life? And I wait till they say yes. And by the way, I write that in their chart because that becomes the basis for me having a conversation. And let me just tell you that when I, when I do that and I can walk back with some people, patients tend to forget why they're there when it's time to talk about the things that we want to do together. I have to find a way to pull it back to the reasons they came. And by the way, those reasons are going to be, there's just, they're limitless. There's so many of them. Why is it important to this person to want this stuff? Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of things that it's really important to try to understand and, and really be interested in. Yeah. You know, um, again, not to disparage medicine at all, but it's not like I'm just going to show up and the only thing I want you to do is take out my appendix. Yeah. And and don't. I still want. I would love to have a surgeon who's interested and involved in me. But the truth is, once I know my appendix needs to come out, I just need your skill set. Right. 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 Absolutely. And, and at some point in the dental relationship, it kind of can get to that, too, where at this point, once I know I need it, now I'm just looking for somebody that I can work well with. That's not how most of our patients come. Yeah. They, yeah. they don't know they need their appendix out. Absolutely. Well. Gary, you just sum up uh, some of the most important things of uh, establishment of that positive patient relationship and rapport. Because I tell you, even somebody like Gary and myself, there's going to be a time in your career where you did something wrong and you want the opportunity to to correct it. So if that patient looks at you, not just as a dentist who's making a lot of money, but as a dentist who's also a person, a nice person, Friends don't sue yeah. friends. And that's an important yeah. concept from a risk management point of view. Establishing all those things that Gary just mentioned so that if by chance things don't go just the way you want them, an unanticipated result, an adverse event, um, you can say to that patient, listen, this didn't go quite like I would hope. I'd like the opportunity to do it again. And when I said that to my patients who I had a good rapport with, they'd say, absolutely. You know, uh, I just need your time and I'll try to make it better. Or if it was all yeah. of a sudden beyond me, I would refer it out. And referring out can be your best friend uh, when you're stuck with someone. So those are all really, really important things. Documentation, the art of listening, establishing what the patient's past history is. But Gary, how about, um, you know, you do a lot of full cases. How about confirming the patient's uh, goal of treatment and is it attainable? Is it uh, realistic? Yeah, I think that sometimes, and I'll, I will never hang in anybody else 
things that I've learned that I wish I had done differently. But the more I, I've been around long enough that I talk to enough dentists that I find so many of them have those same experiences. Um, I can get really excited about doing something with a patient and fail to realize that maybe what they're really asking me for isn't something I can do. But let me give you an example of that. Um, a, a woman came to me once, a wonderful woman, and she really, what she wanted was she had some ex, a lot of exposed redone teeth and she wanted that all to change. And I got all excited about working with her. And really when you came down to it, we were not going to be able to put soft tissue over those root surfaces back in today. I don't know. It might be different. You can do different things with periodontics today. If you did that. And uh, let's just say we got far enough along in things that I was kind of in before I ever had now to broach the subject that I couldn't actually give her everything she was asking. I wish, in hindsight, that I had 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 the ability to slow down and say, "Is what is what she wants really going to happen? Am I really sensing what is important to her?" Because I'll be honest, I didn't pick up on that as being so important. I just knew she didn't like our teeth. And I thought, oh, I can help you. <laughs> and mm. it was all the things that I noticed, because I noticed all kinds of things. And when it became clear that the big, well, a big, the big thing was this exposed tooth, I was already partway in there. And that relationship didn't work out. And, and I, you know, I personally, I regret that because it was my failure. I couldn't give her everything that she wanted to have happen. And so being realistic up front, and understanding why people come to you and recognizing that I better clearly understand what will be different when it's done with a patient who comes asking questions is vital. Because like I said, I, I can get sucked in so easily because I see things that I think, oh, that could be this, that could be that. That may not even be the thing she really was thinking about. All right. Yeah, I tell you, Gary, one of my most common support calls is when dentists jump in um, without having uh, an expectation of a good result. They can't anticipate that, but they still want to jump in because they want to try to help the patient or maybe they're being a little heroic. And those are the guys that yep. end up with a lot of claims and board inquiries. So really, uh, the next most important thing is practice within your comfort zone, okay? Don't stray out of it. Yep. Um, you know, do what you're confident in and what you can look at that patient and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is going to how it's turned out. If you can't do that, you shouldn't be working on that patient for that particular procedure. And that will keep down the number of claims that you have in your history with your insurance carrier. Um, because Amen. we just had a hero the other day who sedated a patient who should have been in the hospital. Um, and the patient succumbed because um, it wasn't realistic what he was trying to do. He was trying to help somebody uh, who had a serious infection in their mandible, turned into Ludwig's angina, turned into uh, oh respiratory distress and respiratory arrest, and the patient never made it to the hospital. So please, um, don't be a hero. Wow. Practice within your scope, and you'll be a much happier practice like Gary said, I mean, if you have that positive patient rapport, I mean, and that patient doesn't mind coming to the dentist and you can see that and how they act with you, that's, in, that's yeah. invaluable. And that's what a successful yep. career is all about. 
Um, I had patients that started me from the beginning in 76 for my entire career, four decades later. So a little hint, um, do those few things. And like uh, Gary and myself, you can have a great, great career. So Gary, we talked about verification of the patient's goals are realistic and how we should do that with proper communication. And are we practicing within our scope? And we also discuss how to get that positive uh, patient rapport. And Gary, you're a gifted speaker. So what are your hints about helping people, helping dentists establish that rapport? What are the little things that you do that that patient looks at you and says, oh, I like this guy? Well, I think that number one is, is that I was, I, I worked on my listening. Mm. And listening is a skill, thank goodness. But none of us were really trained to do it. Um, you know, if you think about it, how many years did you spend learning to write and read? And for some of us, learning to speak to other people. Because some of us did debate or, or did theater or did things where we had to really learn to, to speak, to present, if you will, something, some information, something to people. How much time did, do most of us get to invest in learning to listen? Not much. And so actually the most valuable thing that I ever got from my teachers was that I should develop, and, that, and it takes work, the skill of listening without, without thinking about what I'm going to add to it. I just want to listen. And I found that to me that was the most valuable lesson I ever learned, and then I practiced it. And actually, I can, I can tell you it's, it's an easy thing to practice. You can do it anywhere, and in fact, you'll enjoy it. Now, number one, you have to be interested in hearing what the person says. If you're going to talk to somebody and practice listening, please don't do it if you don't care what they say. By the way, they will know, even if you're just practicing. With patients, that's vital. If you don't care about what they're saying, if you're doing it just because you have to do it, you're not hearing what's happening. I promise. So you have to be interested. And then don't be afraid not to be interested. Try to take it somewhere that you are. Point being this. I think that if you are willing to invest in listening, and, and it's an easy thing to practice, you can do this anytime. Let's say you're, you're at a, a gathering. It can be even a family gathering, which is, is fun. But at any gathering, someone says something to you, says hello, and then and, and you kind of may say something about who they are if you don't know who they are. And then be interested. Hear what they just said. Ask a question about something that just got said. By the way, that's practicing listening. Yeah. Because if you give yourself this, if you say for the next couple minutes, I'm not going to have anything except I want to hear what that person says and I want to be interested in it, you will, you will have questions for them about what they said. That, by the way, is practicing what happens with patients. I will tell you that people on my team told me over the years that the, biggest, the greatest gift Cheryl and I had given them was was the listening training that we did because mm-hmm. most of us don't think about what a gift it is to other people most people spend their whole day never being heard and, and if you don't think that's right if you have somebody next time you're with say somebody you see kind of every day and it's a hey good morning how are you today and answer back and say i'm terrible but smile while you're saying it <laughs> <laughs> okay. and probably they'll go great have yeah. a good rest of the day. Yeah, exactly. I tell you, it just... It just we don't hear each other. Yeah, it just shows the patient that, you know, we're just like they are. We might have some clinical skills they don't. But yeah, making them um, your friend, 
um, someone that they can trust and rely on and believe in really makes your job that much easier when you're doing dentistry. And it's a good philosophy yeah. to have no matter what the procedure is that you're doing. Uh, it could be something simple. I mean, when I did a case, um, a larger case, I would start out with something small, maybe just a composite, just so that yep. I could get the patient to see my technique, how I care, how I give an injection, how the, how the assistant acts. Um, by the way, your staff is a reflection of you. So if you have staff members that don't have your same philosophy of practice, don't have your same moral compass um, and the attitude that you have, uh, they shouldn't be part of your practice because they're exposing you to not only dissatisfied patients, but by their actions, they could expose you by vicarious liability to a claim or a board inquiry. So really take yeah. the time to... Uh, to properly select staff members who you're totally relying upon trust and confidence. I had a, I had a receptionist that was with me yep. for 37 years. And when cool. I, when I used to give them a questionnaire that they would rate me, I always thought they would say, Oh, I don't pay enough money. I don't give enough vacation time. You don't have enough personal days. But the thing that they always put number one was that they trusted me because I kept my promises. So investing in staff really can not only decrease your risk, your risk management, but it can also make you so much more productive in your office and so happier when you go in every day to that office. So investing yep. in your staff is a key to a successful practice. I'd say that's a, that's a good point to make, right, Gare? Absolutely, totally. I mean, I think that what happens often is that if the doctor feels like patients are coming just for them, they don't make that kind of investment in their team to, to have them have the same sorts of training and the same sorts of ability to improve their capabilities on an ongoing basis. The truth is what we discovered is that a lot of people came because they really liked us. A lot of people came because they really liked Darlene. A lot of people liked Lisa. The, any relationship that they develop in that practice is beneficial as long as you do what you just said, bud, and that is make sure that everyone shares your belief and philosophy. Mm -hmm. Like if they don't see your vision, I will promise you that your vision is not the vision of that practice. The reality of the practice is whatever experiences those people have. Yep. And, you know, when you hear things like, well, yeah, you know, he, he's a really, really good dentist, but, his, you know, his staff are jerks. Yeah. I'm not sure I would want people coming to see me yeah. like that. <laughs> You're going to lose a lot of patients. I promise you. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it's just going to be what you, we are whoever we are. And it only takes one person in the office to really not care about the relationships to all of a sudden have the relationships not be, and I hate to say valid, not be powerful. I mean, to put right. it that way, based on what we're talking about. Right. You don't sue friends. Yeah. Well, you know what? If I feel like I get treated like a jerk by one of the team, I'm not really your friend. Absolutely. I like you. You're a nice person, yeah. but but I don't. You, I know you know what I mean, and that's what I'd say for the people listening: is just remember that you said it perfectly. They are totally a reflection of you. Right, right, and right, right. We owned that, you know, and I'm, I was happy. I was happy that we had people 
who were able to share that. And we were lucky in our career too. We had people who were there for actually all of our years in Pemberville. We had two people who were there from the first day we started. Sure. And sure. that's, that's incredible. I mean, that's a wonderful feeling. It, it made me feel it, most happy. It's powerful. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it makes everything way more fun. And, you know, if you want to wake up in the morning and, go and know work. that you're going to spend a day with friends. Yeah. Yeah. That is way more powerful than saying, oh, I have to go back and do dentistry on these people. Yeah. Yeah, you just can't do that. So invest in your in staff. Uh, make sure you surround yourself with people who have your philosophy. You're the captain of the ship. You're responsible for everybody that's under your care, everybody that works in your office. So to surround yep. yourself with quality people is a gateway to success in your practice, both productively and from a risk management point of view, so you don't get exposed without you even knowing it to some kind of uh, liability. Yeah, um, totally and absolutely. Yeah. I think if you can find a way to to have to not do dentistry with any of your patients until they ask for it, and and don't hear that as literal, because right. you know, people don't know to ask. But if you can involve them mm-hmm. in the process. You know, if, if something doesn't work out, may I, the ultimate example, I had a friend who um, had a bit of a stroke with a high-speed handpiece in somebody's mouth. Mm. Um, it went through their cheek. Mm. Let's just say, fortunately, there was not a lot of disfigurement, but there was a lot of injury. Um, the reason you have a benefit plan, I mean, a coverage, is the things that happen. Because stuff right. will happen. Yep. But the stuff that we can prevent happening almost all has to do with the relationship we had with that patient. And when things happen that can be reversed or changed, that is what, is what you said earlier. I agree. I got, I got the chance to, over, to do over a bunch of my work a, a few times because things didn't come out as I wanted. By the way, that can't happen all the time because I have to make a living. But... <laughs> I don't want to spend the rest of my life changing everything I did on my friends because it wasn't good enough. Yeah, you don't want to redo and redo and redo. That's a bad way to practice. That's for sure. That's for sure. Indeed. And, and by the way, after a while, that'll get old even for your friends. Oh, my God. Yeah, they won't be your friend that long. I mean, when I say you're, you're, you have to have a friendship with your patient, but before you do that, you have to do quality dentistry, Okay. Because they'll grow thin very fast if, oh, my God, i got to do that again, i got to do that again. That's not going to work. So that leads me to my next point about the absolute power of no. You know, I mentioned referral before. Only only get involved with those things, those treatments that you have confidence in. Anything else that that patient asked me to do, like I had patients that said to me, Dr. Chalura, I love your office. I love your staff. I think you're great. So I'd like you to do that third molar extraction. And I'd look at them and I'd say, you know, I'm here to make sure nothing happens to you and to give you good quality. There's a lot, there's other dentists out there that can do a much better job at that than you. So I'm going to step back and let somebody else do that. I hope that's okay. Now, 99% of the time, everybody agreed. And if there was one person that says, no, I want you to do it, I'd say, okay, our relationship is over. Because having the power of no can be your best friend in your office and really keep you safe while you're practicing. 
Sure Gary, can. Gary, what do you think of that? I, I, I heard that one a number of years ago from a guy named Pete Dawson, mm-hmm. in a lecture that he gave one time. And he used this, this thing. He said, you know, I have a number of things in my life that don't pass the William rule. <laughs> yeah. And it's, would, would I do it on me? And if yeah. the answer to that is no, yeah. I never had a patient get upset when I told them that they don't want me doing it because I would never do it on me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You got to want to take and, it in and, your and by own the way, mouth. <laughs> that's liberating. Yeah. I mean, don't see that as being restrictive, folks. <laughs> it's liberating. Yeah. I don't have to do those things. Yeah. And I don't want to put patients in the position of having to be the kind of, I don't need to be their hero. And that is where the word heroic, when you said it earlier, made me think of that. I yeah. know some dentists who are friends of mine who got in over their head because the patient really liked them. They had the relationship. And then they jumped in and did stuff that they really weren't comfortable doing because, well, they really wanted me to do it. Yeah. Well, if it was you in the chair, would you have wanted you to do it? Well, no. No. Okay. Of course not. Let's no. not do that. Own it. And that to me is powerful. That's, yeah. That's, it's not that's a feel, not, it's not that, a feeling that, of being inadequate or thinking you're inadequate. Thank it's you. being a speaker. Thank it's, you. It's exactly. A, it's a being of in control while you're in that while you're do, doing dentistry. That's what's important. Yes. You have to feel totally confident and in control. So really everyone that's listening, don't do things outside of your scope. Refer it out. Tell the patient no. It's very easy. It might seem hard. You might have to practice it a little bit on your staff member so you get it down right. But believe me, it works and it makes you happier by the end of the day. So when you walk out that door, you're not worried about, oh, my God, am I going to hear from that patient's attorney? All right. So. And and most of those patients, since you've been doing this a long time, as I have, you've been doing it longer than me. Most of those patients eventually thank you. Yeah. And they turn out to be your best patients, your referring patients. A- by the amen. Way. Yep. They're your and best. they can be upset when it happens, but what they recognize is in that moment, they were so involved in wanting to do something, they didn't see it. What they realize later is the only way you could have done that is you placed their interests far above your own. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, Gary, um, those are all great comments. For you listeners out there that, saw Gary DeWood's name uh, on this podcast. I know you're thinking of clinical treatment, but I'm not supposed to talk about clinical treatment. Gary is, and you can have Gary do that at the Spear Institute because it'll take a lot more than, we've been on air here for 35 minutes, so it'll take a lot longer than that. Uh, But I do highly recommend Gary's classes there and his seminars. They're more than worth your while. So, Gary, I want to go ahead, Gary. uh, With with all due respect for the need to talk about this, about risk management. Yeah. Talking about dentistry is way more fun, folks. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I get that a lot. I get that a lot. Okay. But, yeah, I want to see you guys stay out of trouble. So, because having a claim is, uh, well, what I hear mostly is Dr. Chalora has been one of the worst things in my career. So to avoid it by what Gary and I were talking about would really be important. Um, I, I, I have seen people who have been pretty much destroyed by the experience. Absolutely. Losing your license. I mean, it's, it's horrible what, 
And patients yeah. nowadays, as Gary can attest, are much more aggressive. They can be very belligerent and they can be extortionists. And a lot of them are vindictive with negative reviews and reporting you to the board. So try to be selective when you're seeing your patients and try to be extra selective when you agree to undergo yep. treatment with them. I think that would be the best thing I could tell you. Gary, anything else you'd like to add, please? Um, I, I can't think of anything anything other than, I, I do believe, even though I just said that, paying attention to this will enable you to have a much more enjoyable yeah. And And I think you know, it's, it's, more, it's more fun when, when you think about doing this, because from the positive standpoint, if I'm thinking about anything around risk management, I promise you that what I'm doing is actually I'm doing a better service for those people who are my who come to me and they're my patients. Absolutely. I have to be. Absolutely. Yeah, we want you both of us want you everybody to have a successful and and happy career and to be safe at the same time. So Gary, you just stand by for one minute. So listen everyone, I'm here to help. We have a support line that I man myself most of the time. I average almost 8 to 10 calls per day when you're on the cusp oh. of a problem with a aggressive patient please don't hesitate to try to call us our website is protectorplan.com where you'll find all our webinars seminars podcasts like this uh doc documents on just about everything you can do in your practice and articles i wish everybody well out there and stay safe uh, i'm here to help you just let me know thank you all respective parent, affiliates, and subsidiaries collectively referred to as Brown & Brown Protector Plan, Inc. assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. The information contained in this podcast is provided on and as is basis with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness, and without any warranties of any kind whatsoever, expressed or implied. Brown and Brown Protector Plan, Inc. does not warrant that this podcast and any information or material downloaded will be uninterrupted, error-free, omission-free, or free of viruses or other harmful items.